Welcome to How the West is Number One. My name is Jules Brooke, and this podcast has been proudly sponsored by the Maribyrnong City Council and is all about the extraordinary business owners we have in this area. Celestine Haid, I'm so excited to have you in this podcast interview that we're doing for How the West is Number One. Thank you very much. It's, it's great nice to have you here. So let's just start off with telling everybody a little bit about what it is that you do. Okay. So um, as, a, as in a company, we're Bot- yes. Botany Essentials. Yeah. We're based out in the western suburbs. Right. Um, and we manufacture skincare products. So yeah. we, we're in about 10,000 square metres of factory. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's big. huge. Um, so we manufacture anything you wash, clean, moisturise your body with. Right. Um, we just don't do makeup. Um, but we, our focus is all natural. So we try and stay away from the chemicals as much as possible, the synthetic fragrances. Additionally to that, we do pet care ranges. Okay. Um, which is huge. That's just boomed. Wow. Through, through You're going to have to tell me a bit more about this in oh, a minute. Yeah. 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 Um, because it's very similar to body, what we use on our own bodies. It's yeah, just different course. ingredients but very similarly aligned. And, and certainly with COVID, there's all these people with fur babies now that would, you know, are desperate to do things with yeah. their animals and look after them like their children. So why wouldn't they be going for the most natural that's right. Well, pretty much everyone I know yeah. bought a dog or a cat. Um, <laughs> so the pet shops are, are, are booming. Um, yeah. So there's certain areas in the in the market sector that's done really well through COVID. Um, and then additional to pet, so that can be pet, cat, dog, horses even. We do some racing horses. We wow. do shampoos, conditioners and, and grooming. God, I didn't even know horses were shampooed and oh, conditioned. Oh, so, so dressage. <laughs> right. um, yeah, they're, they're painted, they're polished, they're, they're plaited. Beautiful. Yeah, um, right. That's why they look so good, especially spring carnival time. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm just not knowing enough about horses. Go yeah. on. <laughs> um, and then we also do commercial cleaning. Right. But we, again, the focus is on all natural. So eco-friendly, good for the environment, natural ingredients, um, palm-free, sulfate-free. And where do you sell all of this? Well, we sell here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got our brands. We've got about three or four brands that we own. Yeah. So we're trademarked worldwide with our multiple so, brands. So apart from Botany Essentials, what are your other brands? Just in case anyone's there going, oh, my God, I use this stuff. Well, I'll, I'll go back okay. a little bit in that we started as an aromatherapy company. Okay. So in, in 1997, right. when, I was, when I was 12, <laughs> <laughs> I lie about my age. Um, I we, believe that. <laughs> yeah, my business partner and I, we were into essential oils and we thought, why does lavender cost $24 for yeah. 10, 12 mils of essential oil? I'm like, can't, can't really cost that much. So um, I was working at the time in a marketing and advertising company. Okay. And business partner said, why don't we start our own business? You know how to run a business. And um, she was in the, in the public sector, in the private um, yeah, like government. Service. Yeah, no, government. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. And I said, so oh, neither of you were chemists or anything like that. No, I'm a registered nurse. Okay. Um, and a midwife. Yeah. By trade, oh, which cool. was a great background. Yeah, but, you need um, that that yeah. sort of medical background. Too. So she said, "Why don't we start our own business?" I said, "Hold on. <laughs> the first thing you should do is research to make sure that you know what what you're getting oh, into. Oh, you're very good. Yeah. Yes, that is exactly what you should do. Yeah, so 30% of all businesses fail. That's right. that's well known. Yeah, within think three years. Yeah, no, yeah. it's 90% of businesses fail within three that, years. Yeah. That's a huge stat. So if unless you know, you may have a great idea, but unless you can bring it to fruition and have a market for it, mm-hmm. everyone's got great ideas, but unless you've got a buyer for it or a distribution base, it's pointless. Yeah. And it's a hard slog. The hardest thing I say, my sister who's a teacher says, oh, I wish I'd start my own business like you. Uh, this is now after 24 years, we're very successful. And I said, be careful what you wish for because it's the hardest thing I think I've ever done. Yes. It's my own business. But the best thing that you've ever done, I bet as well. It's very rewarding. <laughs> 
So she said, why don't we start our own business? So I spent two years researching essential oils and, and studying wow. and all of that yeah. and brought in samples from all around the world. So lavender, the finest lavender comes from France. We have a very good one in Tasmania, rosemary from France, cypress from Spain, oh, okay. um, sage from Russia. Right. And we'd buy in from the growers. We wouldn't buy from a broker and I'd send them off to how did you even find the growers? Just Research. online, lots no, and lots of- No, in those days we didn't have the web. <laughs> right. So the web was just starting. So how do you find a lavender company in France I, when you I don't have to, the internet? I went to every trade consulate ah, in Australia. Right. And in those days they'd had it like a phone book. Yeah. And you'd go through like you'd find businesses in the phone book and you, if you needed to get your tyres changed, you'd go to Tire Power or Bob Jane Whoever. Timo. Well, the same thing happened internationally. They'd have this big book that you'd go through and you'd be looking wow. for- um, fragrance houses and things like that and growers. Right. Farmers aren't in there. And I'd contact like the Italian Trade Commission over in Italy and I'd contact the French and contact the Russians. Wow, Celestine, that's and really so two years of research. Of you, yes. yes. And then you find the growers that you're happy with, not the brokers, not the middlemen that buy off the grower and sell it. So mm. you find the growers and you say, well, okay, Sam, I need to buy five of your finest oils, yeah. of your lavender, what you think you and I'd smell them, pick the top three. And then I'd send them off to be tested. Right. And then I'd choose the top one or two and we'd buy them. And we did that with 300 oils. Wow. So there's only 300 essential oils. Yeah. Now, essential oils come from plants, so mm-hmm. they're not synthetic. So yeah. there's only about 300 different scents we can get from plants. Wow. I'm, I'm big. I, I, that, I, new fact. Wouldn't yeah. have known that. I would have thought there were thousands. No, that's fragrance. So if you look at strawberry, right. that's, a, that's a synthetic fragrant oil. We right. can't get it from the strawberry, that smell. Right, yes, so of course. It goes into a laboratory and they mimic nature with all different co- compounds and components. But and of all the flowers that are out there and everything is about 300 smells. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they go into perfumes along with fragrances, but we don't do the synthetic. We focus on the natural. natural. So that's how we started and we went to Hepburn Spa and we went to Crown Casino and we sold our oils into there for their massage rooms. And after about six months they said, look, we love your oils. The qualities are great. Um, but we also need massage oils. We need shampoos and conditioners for our in-room oh. beauty treatments. We need lotions and we need creams. And I said, okay. And they said, can you help me? And I I very rarely say no. That's the first rule of sales, say yes and work out how to do it later. <laughs> yeah, but also in business because right. it's I see everything as an opportunity. Yes. And not only right. that, I'm constantly learning. I didn't know how to do it. Right. So I thought I can do it. Why can't I do it? So then I, I went that. and employed cosmetic formulation chemists and said, but we want to be natural and I now I need a lotion, I need shampoo, I need massage oils, I need this. And okay. before you knew it, we had about 300 different products. <laughs> so we'd expanded awesome. from just 300 essential oils like yeah, to, the teacher, to d- different products. So so what do you do then when you've got all of these? Well, <laughs> we, we were at Hepburn, we were selling bulk to them and, and then I said, well, we're ready to almost be a body shop style of store. Okay. And so we went, we had quite a large range and went to the major department stores and said, well, we're so good. Here's yeah, our, here's and our local range. and yeah. natural. Local, natural, Australian made. And they um, all said. And they all said no. <laughs> they, um, it they, really, it does, it, it just blows your mind, doesn't it, sometimes? You just think, why would they not give it a go? Oh, well, in you business know, idiots. You, you get a lot of no's in <laughs> yeah, sales. Yeah, and true. Um, they all said no and they said because we've got the ma- we've got the brands that we want now. We don't want another Australian brand and they wanted European or they wanted American or they wanted cheaper out of China or Right. No matter what we just didn't fit into any of the sort of Well, no matter what we did, even if I could right. beat them on price and have exceptional quality, they still said no. And I said, Okay, 
So we left. I walked out of that meeting and said, we're going to open our own stores. So we wow. opened a shop in Richmond and we yeah. opened a shop in um, Williamstown. Mm-hmm. And we did really well while retail was doing well. So we opened up our own botany aromatherapy concept right. store with our oh. 300 products in there <laughs> yeah. and um, did exceptionally well. And then in Richmond I had this Singaporean Chinese gentleman walk in one day and he, he said, Wow. He said, this shop's amazing. He said, it smells great. And everyone says that when I walk yeah, into ours because it's natural. It's not the synthetics. And he said, this smells amazing. He said, you know, would you ever consider making this for me under my brand? And I said. Okay. And he said, and uh, he said, I'll, I'll export it in, or you can export it to me into Singapore. Wow. And I said, why are you here? Because it's Richmond. I'm thinking he should be in the city if he's a tourist. And he said, um, my daughter studies at Melbourne Uni. And my wife and I are here visiting her. Right. And from there, the multiple visitors that we had to the city that were visiting their children studying here. Oh, right. That would come in and say, who were business people, paid yeah. for their um, children to come to Australia and, and study, who came that and That is said, just an amazing yeah. niche. That is just, it just seems really obscure, but yep. makes sense. He, and he placed a $100,000 order on the <sighs> spot and we, it was our first export. Changed your life. Within two years of me starting the business. Right. But it wow. entered me into private label or what you call white label. Yeah, yeah. And that is 70% of our business mm-hmm. and always has been the backbone of our business because our products were uh, unbiased, <laughs> are so natural and good. People go, I love it, but I really, you know, I'd like to put it under my brand. Okay, okay. Okay. I can help you. Today we've got over 300 companies. Wow. And we've got about 250 overseas um, and we export worldwide right through. Do you still have the shops? Did you keep no, them going? No, eventually. Because they sound like they were a really good lead gen for you. Oh, they were a lead um, and then we did exhibitions. Um, but retail here slumped. And mm. you've got to understand Australia is such a small population. Yes, yes. So we did trade shows here, in what I call trade shows or exhibitions here in Australia. So we, we did things like the home show, um, yep. the Reed Gift Fair, um, where sh- other shop owners go and source their products yep, to buy. that's right. Reed Gift Fair is yep. massive. And did, did shows like that, and that was good to find retailers here, of which most are boutique. They're not. We, we don't have many large. So not retail many ordering hundred thousand dollars worth of stock in no, one fell swoop. One order, and um, so I thought, well, these trade shows work, but what if I did international trade shows? Mm. So that year I went. I think it was year four. I went off to Hong Kong and did the Cosmo Prof, which it, it was at the time the largest. Cosmetic. Professional cosmetic. It's Cosmo Prof. Trade show in cosmetic the world. Yeah, your L'Oreal's are there, your Wellers are there. Okay. There's a shampoo division <coughs> and there's natural division and there's fragrance divisions, there's packaging, there's machinery, there's everything. But it takes you two to three days to walk around that fair. Yep. Gives you some perspective on the size of yep. the Australian market, doesn't it? Because Reed Gift Fair is massive, but you can get around it easily in a day. Yeah, there's about 20 times Reed. Wow. Easily and really packed in. So I Went that one year and had a look at it and thought, yes, this is the show for us. Mm-hmm. And then as a small business, it costs to do a trade show here is about eight to $10,000 yeah. to do a decent booth. And it was the same to do one in Asia. And was it, well, you didn't get the economy, you know, you didn't get the great exchange rate, which made it really cheap. It's just more expensive. The only thing that's extra is your flights and your accommodation. Right. But otherwise, cost base, it was well worth it. And yeah. I would recommend that to, and I say that to, oh, my, to the private label clients. Um, get I say, yourselves over there. First thing I say to him is, how big do you want to get? What, where do you want to go? When they 
it's like when you start the business and, and if they say, look, I just want to do markets and I'm, you know, cottage industry and I just want it to be me, I'll just say you've got two years. You'll exist for two years and your business won't grow and you won't exist. Yeah. You'll, you'll be working for the love of what you do. Wise words, yes. Um, but if you want to export, if you want to look outside of Australia, I can help you and because that is where you'll really grow. And plus you'll get what, what exporting does is it, it gives you a head start on trends. Okay. Because a Korean client will come to your booth and they'll go, oh, we're looking for this. And you'll go, well, why, is, why are they looking for this thing I've yeah, never heard of? right, because we are a bit behind here. We do follow the rest of the yeah. world in most things, don't we? Yeah. Well, I find I'm two, uh, two years in front of the trend generally right. by doing international trade shows because wow. the market is so – and Asia is always looking for the next new thing. So what can I ask? What is the next new thing? Are you allowed to tell me? What are they all asking for at the moment? Everyone's asking for palm-free natural, which they always have been. Organic's gone because they understand organic is great for food, but organic in skincare, most skincare ingredients are naturally organic. There's no pesticides used. But you have to put certain plants together and it it stops the pest coming anyway. I mean, there's things like that, aren't there? But a skincare product like a... Like a shampoo is 60 to 80% water. Mm-hmm. Water is not organic. It doesn't have a carbon atom. No. So the um, Australian Certified Organic used to allow you to certify. Your water. <laughs> yeah. But now water's not counted in that content. And to qualify as 100% organic in Australia, you must be 95% organic content. Okay. If water's 80%, it You're doesn't qualify. No, oh, it no, doesn't it doesn't. Qualify. Right, right. Oh, okay. It doesn't have a carbon atom. You're right. organic. I'm organic. Yeah. Um, so... Plus organic's been done to death, let's be honest. I mean, everybody loves it. Yeah, of course. Technically, our products are organic. Yeah. But we don't scream. You can't make that claim. No, and I don't want to. I have never have screamed it from the mountaintops. Okay. Because the the next trend will be greenwashing. Oh, what's greenwashing? Greenwashing is where everyone wants to put every logo possible on Mm. their product to say how, you know, they'll have their their palm-free, their... Save the dolphins, the planet, the <laughs> ecosystem and everything. So you'll, you'll be branding up your brand yeah. to say you've got all these pluses when why don't they just have it anyway? Well, yes, there is that. Which is what we do. But I don't, I don't, re-ba- I don't badge it all, all over with gold medals like a wine bottle. But if they're all asking for that, will you? Or I guess your clients no, will. No, I never have. They, they can I didn't do it with organic even want. though we were, we were organic. But the right. private label clients, do whatever you want with yeah, your brand. Right. But, but everything is cyclic. We just stay true to our product is that. Amazing. I don't have to so scream. So greenwashing, go back to it, is, mm. is that that's just 100% natural shampoos and conditioners? Greenwashing is where, and, and there'll be documentaries about it, is where you're saying my product is eco-friendly. You're, you're just you're pointing all those point forms out right. in the positives to sell your product. Yep, okay. It really doesn't mean that you Oh, greenwashing. So it's yeah. like whitewashing, but it's greenwashing. That's right. Ah, it's like, I, was thinking it was, it's like clean, I was thinking it was your washing no, products. It's like clean coal. Right. It doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, no, right. Okay, okay, greenwashing. So, yeah, yeah. okay, that yeah. makes sense. And the climate change is is happening. Um, I'm a believer in it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the science tells us it's happening. Yeah. As much as politicians might like to put their heads in the sand, you know, it is a thing. Yeah. So behind the scenes, what we're doing is we're working on our plastics being our plastics are 100% recycled and recyclable again and wow. again and again. Um, I love that. But um, glass, unfortunately, is is not great in wet areas and because skincare products are used in the shower, shampoo, if you drop a glass bottle, that's why yeah. they were removed. It was banned in the US to sell glass into the US. Okay. Into shower areas. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
the petroleum industry brought that in. <laughs> Funny about yeah. that. Don't they have a little hand in plastics? Yeah. Plastic, <laughs> plastics has a place, but it has to be recyclable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and down the road, which council, for example, councils are working on getting getting um, products more recyclable and recycled it at the curb. Yeah, fantastic. And so they bloody well should. I mean, really, you know, yeah. uh, it, it is the place to go. Well, I don't even know where to go next with this conversation, but where – well, so the business is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Where do you want it to go over the next few years? What's your plan? And then I'm going to hit you up with a question about the council because I think you've got something to do with it. And yep. I don't, I'm not very clear on it. But let's first go with where is Botany Essentials going to be in – um, I don't know, five years or ten years. I bet you've got a plan. Oh, I do. We've <laughs> yeah. already had a few. Probably got a whiteboard we, saying this is where we're going to be in 2009 and 29. I get, get takeover offers about twice a year. Oh, wow, Yeah, really? so we had a very serious one last year. Um, however, there's still a lot of growth in, in our company. So we're, we're just into that small to medium enterprise. Yeah. So we've gone from a small business to a medium. Um, How many pe- employees is it? We have 20 employees. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep, uh, all our lines are automated, mm-hmm. but and we've got a very diverse employee base, so multicultural, oh, which I love. Yes, the West so do I. Is, the West is fantastic. It is. We've got a really good skill set out here, um, and we don't have the overheads or the traffic of the of the eastern suburbs. But people often say, "How big do you want to get?" As a as in our company, yeah, well, that's the and question I, go, oh, I should have asked you. Not where do you want to be? How big do you want to get? <laughs> For me, it's limitless. All right. Oh yeah, because um, good. If I could be a L'Oreal, I would be. Um, and they're, you know, you and your Well, there's top. absolutely no reason why you couldn't be. I mean, all you need is, is some really aggressive marketing and off you go. And Because you've got the products. Yeah. And knowing the interest that we get from majors that are watching us in the in the broker and the takeover space, um, we know we're doing everything right. Oh, my God, I'm getting so, goosebumps. You're going to do it. But what, do I, it. What, I, what really makes me proud is exporting. So because tell me a little bit about what you're what you're exporting and how that came. Well, obviously the yep. Singaporean guy, thank goodness. Well, then the was international the trade shows opened the world up. Right. So you'd have people hundred instead of going doing a trade show here with ten thousand mums and dads walking through the door, you'd have one hundred and fifty thousand buyers with checkbooks walk wow. through. The so, so where door. are you exporting to? We export all through Asia. So Taiwan, Taiwan's a wonderful market. The um, it's a similar population size to Australia, about right. twenty five million, and very mindset towards buying from Australia. Um, I would have thought, do you get that a lot in Asia anyway? I think one of the common questions a buyer comes up to you with in Asia is what makes you different being from Australia? Every Australian company says, well, we've got such a clean environment and we're green and clean and, and it's made in Australia. And they look at you and they blink and they go, yes, every Australian company says that. So what but makes, what you, makes different? you different? <laughs> so that comes back to your unique selling point. What's, what makes you, your brand, your company different? So what do you say when somebody says that to you? We're flexible. We're yeah. versatile. We're fast. We, well, a private label client can come to us and we can have a brand done for them if they know what they want um, within two to four weeks. Wow. And made. Right. Within two to four weeks. Um, we allow startups, so we'll allow a small business to start. Or we so you can do take little small, small runs as well. Our minimum well runs about 1,000 pieces. Which is pretty, or, yeah, which, affordable for most. There's yeah. a lot of women out. I mean, I know I'm interviewing female founders all the time. There are a lot of women out there going into that skincare range, but yep. they can't make it. Yep. So knowing that they can, in fact, for anyone listening, well, most, most, <laughs> you now know where you can go. Most businesses don't make their product. They have it made by a company right. like us that makes their product. No one knows we make multiple brands. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then it's your job to go and sell it. We take away the hard work, which you, a lot of small businesses don't factor in that labour cost of how much it takes for them to package yeah. and ship something. Um, 
So, yeah, exporting is one of the main things I'm very proud of. So we're right through Asia, mm-hmm. Singapore, Japan, Korea. China is not the be-all and end-all. It's, it's, China, China's a wonderful market. However, it's very hard to import, into, export into China. Why? It's, it's regulated. So if, if you want to sell a product in China, it has to be animal tested. Right. We, we don't. Uh, right. We okay. don't allow so for I that. immediately see a conflict. Yep. yep. So there's a conflict there. Um, we have clients that will do it, but they, then they'll have their products tested, um, and the regulations change all the time. So right. China, China is a is a wonderful country that wants to export as a as a developing country. Um, they want to block imports as much as they can. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because we hear anecdotally. For somebody like me who who has no background in import export, I would have thought that China was all over the fact that you know that you hear all the time, oh, they love Australian products and they love this, they that, do. and the other. But because but the we're government's blocked, trying to stop it, yeah. But because we're blocked, it makes us more premium, right? Okay. So I the more affluent Chinese will find ways through grey channels to buy your product, whether they go to Hong Kong shopping right. or or small amounts. But you can't, you can't, you could do it by grey channels. You can't sell. Container loads into Shanghai. Right. Yeah. So it comes to a point where you, you you're blocked. And anyway, there's all sorts of issues brewing that probably yeah. make it really good thing not to be yeah. doing much with China. So then we also sell into Germany, um, the UK. Russia is a wonderful wow. market, which Australia doesn't even really notice. Um, How big's the population in Russia? Oh, I'd, I'd have. Roughly, I mean, is it I'd have hundreds to be over of million? Hundred thousand. Yeah. Hundred million. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have thought. But. They have money, yeah, and they they want outside of European, yes, because they've, Europe has Europe. They, yeah, they, they, I mean, the whole thing in Australia of its European doesn't work yeah. over there at all. And because we specialise in our native fauna extracts, so things nice. like kakadu plum, Davidson, which plum, they can only get from here, only comes from here, only grows here, and it's extracted here, and we put it in our products. It's so different to anything that's in the European market. Because right. they're just used to the the fragrant houses, yeah. and and then you have got all that sort of publicity around Australia and that positioning of us as being, yep. you yep. know, yep. small climate. Small, I mean, um, yeah, big country, small population, and lots of natural things. So, yep. so going forward, we're working with multiple distributors because mm-hmm. we've been doing this for twenty four years yeah. um, throughout all of Europe, the US, and Canada. Mm-hmm. And recently, what I've done is I've contacted our clients that we make our products for who sell in Australia or a little bit into Asia and said, look, we have a distribution base of contacts. Would you allow us to put your brand within our portfolio? And we, instead of just presenting our five brands, we'll present, we'll present 20, including you. And please tell me everyone says yes. I can't imagine anyone would say very, no to that. Very few right. say no. Yeah, it's I would usually thought. the ones that just want to stay small. Right. Or in Australia, so that they're limiting themselves. Yeah, um, it's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It doesn't happen overnight. It's yeah. taken us twenty years to find these to to build these relationships, um, and it's all comes through to fruition because they grow, I grow, and we assist the brand to develop so that then they can sell it. Can I just say how extraordinary you are? You are absolutely amazing because really what you have built is incredible and it's kind of under the radar. So I'm really glad we're doing this podcast interview because everyone needs to know about you and Thanks. what you're doing. Yeah. I love it. It's very it's very satisfying um, and you never stop learning. Ever. No. Well, I can, really, I can see that just just talking to you. You're, you're really interested in learning more. Yeah. I guess um, you'll have to move into a different industry if you learn everything. 
So now talk to me a bit about what you do with the council and um, your, you know, what you've been doing with Maribyrnong Council because I don't know what it is, but I know that you're involved in. Yeah, uh, about four years ago, council approached me because yeah. um, we were based in Braybrook yeah. in the western suburbs within the Maribyrnong Council. Yeah. And uh, the chair of the Business Enterprise Committee was stepping down. Right. And they said, um, they had me speak at one of their breakfasts, one of their council um, the staff. The business breakfast things. Yeah, one yep. of their staff was, oh, okay. drove past our factory, walked into our showroom, went, wow, these are all, it smells so good in here. <laughs> Everyone said that. for real? That's how it yeah, happened. Yeah, and, and she said, gee, gee, and you're a local business. Would you come and what do you do? And I've given her the abridged version of what I'm saying here, of how we started. And she said, would you consider coming and talking to a, a breakfast business group? Where they have about 100 or 150. Do you do a lot of speaking? I've done a little bit. I've often I've been told often I should go and yeah, you should. speak on the circuit. But okay. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I am quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You do often think that those people that are on, that's what you do when, when you're fed up doing this and, you yeah. you know, I've spoken at how Oz- I built my millions and yeah. write a book yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I've spoken at Austrade events and yeah. I've okay. done lectures for around the world on, on products and aromatherapy right. and skincare and things like that. Um, So they said, look, come and speak at our breakfast. So I spoke at the breakfast and then everyone from council was there, including the the, um, CEO, CFO and whatever, and they said, would you like to chair the um, (laughs) Maribyrnong Business Enterprise? Now, have you been on a board, been chair of anything, done any of that before? I'd done then. I I hadn't chaired anything, but I'd I'd sat on boards, yeah. And I said, okay. So I did. And uh, for the last four years I've I've chaired and it's it's. I have to say Maribyrnong Council um, is a very proactive council. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I yeah. think that they're really good. I love what they've done with Localised, which we must mention as part of the podcast because yep. that is a free resource for people to list their businesses and connect with other business owners. But they're doing a lot, aren't they, to support? Oh, the smart cities they're implementing. So yeah. they're, ahead of, they're ahead of their time for smart cities. Um, the proactiveness for businesses, they've got that business um, website that you mm-hmm. can go to yep. in council. Um, anytime you, I've ever had to speak to them, they've been very helpful. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're on the front foot. It's not – so with the with the committee, what we oversee are the grant – there's a grant program in there yeah. um, of about $200,000 every year, and that goes to some of the local traders as well as people starting up businesses. Great. Um, whether it's doing podcasts or whether it's doing <laughs> film or whether it's advertising or yeah, local yeah. local ideas. Um, and Well, I don't, I don't know if any other councils doing a podcast, so already I reckon they've ticked that box to yeah. just try something different. And, and technology-based. Yeah, and yeah. the other thing that I've, and in my limited knowledge of them, is that they've actually got people in roles in business that have businesses. Yep. And that is a bit of a frigging novelty in it government, is. isn't yes. it? Because yes. there's an awful lot of people that work their way up as a, as a public servant yep. end up being there sort of advising businesses and they've got no bloody idea because they haven't done it. So yeah, like we haven't got that with our council, which is wonderful. Yeah, no, it's it's very good and um, I enjoy being on there. So there's members there from obviously council. There's also the Traders Association, Victoria University, Um and, yeah, other business sectors in there. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I absolutely agree. So now we're talking about Maribyrnong. Let's talk about some of your favourite places. If You, uh, you know, I, I, well, I haven't even asked you the beginning bit of where you grew up. Where did you, just tell me the little bit until you started the business. Well, you might have picked the accent. <laughs> um, some people ask me from um, New Zealand. 
uh, I'm Queensland. I was born. I in- don't pick a Queensland. I'm, I'm English and Irish. I don't pick a Queensland accent. <laughs> That's I why. love it that in Australia people think that they have accents because I don't tell it at all. Yeah. <laughs> now, I was born in Kingaroy, which is about two and a half hours northwest of Brisbane. Okay. But I was virtually raised in Brisbane. Okay. Um, in Logan City in Woodridge. Right. So Woodridge is a low economic area in um, in. Even more Brisbane. amazing that you've done what you've done then. Yeah, so but were my, you good at school? Did you like school? I loved school. I oh, loved right. sport. Um, Makes but sense. no, I, I loved school. I went to Mount Cravat, um, an all girls school in Mount Cravat. And, but I think it was my parents that taught us our work ethic. All of my siblings, the six of us. Six of you? Yeah, I know. Janie um, Mack, yeah, as, so, as my mum would say. <laughs> <laughs> we all have a good work ethic. Yeah. Um, we never, nothing ever came for free and you work hard. And if you work hard, it, you, you get you, the results. You and get the results. It'll yeah, take time, true. but you will get there. So, um, yeah, I would have to say all my siblings, we all are entrepreneurs in our own way. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Uh, well, we are in my family as well. I've got three brothers. And, and it was only recently that I took my son, who I thought had ADHD, to the doctor who looked at me and said, you know it's genetic, don't you? And you know that the classic um, the classic career for somebody with ADHD is entrepreneur. And I was like, no. But I said, it's really interesting because all four of us in my family, myself and my brothers are all entrepreneurs. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is um, so six then, of you. Yeah, six. And then I did um, nursing when I left school. Right. Um, because I wasn't told you could do anything much as a, as a girl no. leaving school. Well, I don't think even the word, I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur was in those yeah. days and the idea of owning your own business. Well, I wasn't ready for it then. Yeah. The thing is when you leave school, it's not what you're going to end up doing and I think that's the main mm-hmm. thing people, no matter what you do, you go to university or whatever, very few people 10, 20 years down the track are doing that job. That's right. Um, Although there's an interesting thing that I, I heard recently and that was a woman I was interviewing and she said, Invariably, if you think about what you really loved doing when you were younger, you'll find that you've gravitated to it in a career. That's and right. I always loved kind of bossing people around and, yeah. and doing plays and things like that. And sure enough, here I am doing interviews and things. But what was it for you? What um, did you want to be when you grew up, when you were like eight well, or nine? I wanted nine? to be a fireman, but right. I was told girls couldn't be a fireman. And then I said, I want to be a builder. And they well, said, you kind oh, of are a builder. You, that's exactly <laughs> right. And that's how I often think now. Anyway, I did nursing. Okay. Because um, I did like biology in, mm-hmm. in high school, and I, I, I would have loved to have done physio or, or a doctor, but I wasn't good enough. <laughs> so I did nursing at the Royal Brisbane Hospital. Yeah, love, and I had the choice at that stage: you could go to university training, or yeah. you could do the hospital-based training. And I thought, oh, I'm from Woodridge, and um, I think I'll do the hospital-based because you get paid. Right. Why do it as opposed to three years at university rather and than academic set because you move yeah. around every sector right. in the hospital. So you'd spend six weeks in medical, six in surgical, six in orthopedics, and you moved everywhere. So you get a very diverse scope of of nursing, um, infectious disease Love wards, that. things like that. Loved nursing, I absolutely loved it. Um, the shift work, the night duty, everything. I was young, and just I'd finish night duty and go to the beach. I was okay. a bit of a um, Beach Bunny. Um, and then when I finished that, I did midwifery. Oh, sorry, I went into neurosurgical intensive care. Okay. Because I thought, oh, I'd like to do the flying doctors. So wow. get into the outback and just and, interviewed and, a woman recently that was one of those nurses and the plane crashed in the ocean in the middle of nowhere. Wow. And she survived. Incredible. Everyone else too? Yeah, every single person. It's the only time there's been a plane crash and everyone survived, including her patient who was strapped into a gurney and she had to hold her up and unstrap her and hold her in the water for three hours till they found them. 
That's a podcast on its own. Isn't it is it? a podcast. I'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you which one to listen to later. <laughs> anyway, okay. So you were so, doing this nursing. So I thought, well, I'd love to work in the outback with the Royal Flying Doctors. So I, I knew I had to do intensive care. I had to do cardiac. I had to do um, midwifery. Midwifery. Yeah. So I did a couple of years in neurosurgical intensive care, and that was amazing. Um, it's not the same as intensive care. It was more brain tumors, car accidents, coming off horses, motorbikes, things like that. Very sad, people on, on ventilators and respirators. But the one thing with nursing that I that I still miss today is you get a genuine thank you. Oh, God, yeah. 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 I mean, my dad was an obstetrician and, and um, gynecologist and I, and I remember he has patients that, like, love him, like part, yeah. of, his, part of the family. Yeah. Could, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, which is yeah. incredibly profound for people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I... ICU I loved and then I went and did my midwifery, which I also loved because midwifery is very different. No one's sick. Generally no one's sick. Women are healthy. It's just shitty hours. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I remember saying to my dad, why do you do it? And he said, why wouldn't you? You were there at the happiest time of anyone's life. Except the labour room, (laughs) those few hours. But um, And I loved the labour ward. I didn't like prenatal and postnatal so much. I love the 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 labour wards like like a a footy coach. (laughs) 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 As my dad would say, I'll be there with the catchers, Mitch. (laughs) So and labour wards where all the action is. So I love that. And, of course, everyone wants to be in the labour ward, so there weren't any spots there. And so I thought, okay, I went to the Princess Alexander and did theatre. Right, because you you want to do theatre as well and loved it. So did everything from general theatre through to cardiac transplants and uh, heart, lung, that sort of thing. But I then f- fell into orthopaedics. And I've, I've always done woodwork as right. well. So I, I like working <laughs> with my hands. Sorry, are we talking and, about sawing bones is like sawing yeah, wood? it's exactly the same thing. So <laughs> screwdriver, saw, and, and, and it is. It's Nails. just like yeah, and it's easy to pick the instruments because you, you recognise them. Oh, as, gosh. Yeah, so I loved orthopaedics. I did a lot of joint, um, hips, knees. Shoulder right. reconstructions, things like that. And then one day my brother, who worked in marketing and advertising, um, and this was when nursing paid about 40000 a year. Okay. So. I don't know that it's much better now, is it? Oh, I think it's a. It's 60 a, or 70, but it's not. Yeah. It's yeah. not. Top, yeah. I mean, for what they, what what everybody does in that industry. Yeah. And it he, seems very underpaid to me. He said, look, I need someone to run my um, Melbourne and Adelaide office. He was running like a telemarketing, advertising okay. marketing company. He had about 500 staff. Yes. And he said, because I want to go and set up in Sweden. And I, he said, what do you reckon? And I said, well, what are you going to pay me? <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said 41000 He said, I'll pay you eight. Oh, wow. And in those yeah. days, I said, yeah. wow, absolutely. So I packed my bags and off I went to Adelaide, lovely city. Um, <laughs> I actually really like Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, and learnt how to run a business. Yeah, right. Because nursing didn't teach me that. No. And so from there I, I dealt with um, contracts and, and companies that would say that they were going to fulfill a contract and then you've got to negotiate with them and say, well, you've signed this and businesses that were run well, businesses that weren't run well. So I had a crash course in seeing how people operated their businesses well, really well and really poorly. And that's when I when I ran the Melbourne office, met my business partner there who said, well, you know how to run a business because I did, I learned. And from there I I did nursing, I did agency work to sustain when we did start up at the beginning. So, um, yeah. Wow. It took about five years to get the business self-sufficient. Well, now there's a lesson for anyone listening as well. Like don't mm. give up. I mean, that's one of the things. I'm, I'm a huge fan of helping people start their own business. Like uh, I interviewed this woman in New York the other day and she said, 
when she, she started her first business at 37 and she said, I have so much regret that I didn't do it earlier. And I said, why? And she said, because I, I realised that, you know, if you're working for someone else, you've got your life in their hands. Why don't you just have yourself, you know, responsible for yourself? Yeah, you I thought it was that. interesting. But, I mean, I've also pushed people into running their businesses and they never should have done it and it was That's a disaster. Right. And I used to think everyone could run a business yeah. but they can't. But I'm sure at 37 her life skills were better. Yeah, I'm so sure. So there's other benefits. Of course, of yeah, course. Things, I believe things happen for a reason. Well, she's gone on to make this absolutely massive global company. So, yeah, it was a good decision for her to make. Yeah, yeah. So, but wow. um, no, it's limitless. Wow, well, I, I just think you are extraordinary. Now, um, favourite places in Maribyrnong, let's just bring it down to a local level before Look, we finish Seddon, up. Seddon has a lovely, the, the best what thing What are your favourites? The village feel. Yeah. That the air, the, the in Seddon or in Yarraville or oh, in both? both. Seddon and Yarraville. They're both a little bit different and along the river. They are. Um, all those tracks along the river. Yeah, so gorgeous. So we've got enough of nature in there as well as that lovely village feel that is very unique to Melbourne. We don't have that in Brisbane. Yeah. We don't have that in Queensland. Sydney doesn't have it even. And I don't think a lot of Melbourne places have it. Really, I think the yeah. Yarraville and Seddon are quite unique. I mean, having lived around St Kilda, which was – also very community driven, but quite a different vibe. Yeah, it's it's lovely. I think in in our area. Yeah, and I very think lucky. You get a feel in in the Maribyrnong area that everyone's supportive of each other. It's yes, it's not a backstabbing environment no. in business at all. Really supportive, yeah. and and yeah, I, I just think it's it's love. I think it's a gorgeous area. I love it. Yeah, but I just I mean part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is I think we've got all these secret amazing people that we don't know about. Yeah, so I'm absolutely delighted that um, I've had the opportunity to interview you now. Where can people buy your products, and how if somebody loves the sound of this and wants to contact you in some way, what are the best ways for them to do that? Best ways on our website. Yeah. So botanyessentials.com.au. Um, yep. yep. And if anyone's thinking of starting their own skincare, pet range or household cleaning range. I'm getting in contact with you. Yeah, that's botanymanufacturing.com.au. Right. Okay. Yeah, and that's both sites are very different. Um, but really if anyone's looking to have a successful business, look outside Australia, um, export is if you can if you can vision yourself exporting, the world's your oyster. It just opens so many doors. Well, I love it. And I love it that this little company that's in Maribyrnong is selling to all those countries around the world. So massive congratulations and thank you so much for uh, telling us your story today. You're welcome. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this interview. You can find all our guests on the Maribyrnong Localised website, which is a free resource where you can share your business and what you do. I hope to see you on there.